Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. What do we know about our Orange Bowl opponent, Florida State? I don't know about you, but it's all I can do during the season to keep up with what's happening with our Wolverines and around the Big Ten. On today's visitor segment, my guest is Wayne McGahee, Florida State beat writer from the Tallahassee Democrat. Wayne has covered the Seminoles for years, and he'll bring us up to speed on the key players we'll see tomorrow night and talk about what a great matchup this year's Orange Bowl is. First, my view from Section 17 to get us rolling. Florida State and Michigan are college football giants. We, of course, have a long and glorious history dating back over 100 years, while Florida State has been a national power for most of the last 30 years. In all that time, we've only played twice. In 1986, we met for the first time, and Jim Harbaugh led the Wolverines to a hard-fought 20-18 win. In 1991, Florida State made a return trip to the Big House for a matchup of top-five teams. To our amazement, and I was at both of these games, in that one, the Seminoles routed us 51-31, and Bobby Bowden would later say, that win in the Big House signaled the arrival of Florida State as a premier program, and no one would argue that point. Jimbo Fisher took the reins of Florida State football after Coach Bowden retired. He's had a few rough patches, at least from the perspective of their fan base, but he's won a national championship, sent a lot of players to the NFL, and consistently brings in top 10 recruiting classes. They are a young team, but they are very, very talented. Both of these teams thought they had a chance to make it into the playoffs, but Florida State stumbled early in the season before putting it together, And we know what happened in the final weeks for us. So while it's not the playoffs, the Orange Bowl is a great matchup for both teams. As Wayne McGahee told me, hey, this is Michigan versus Florida State. Who wouldn't want to see this game? And he, of course, is right. The matchup has all the ingredients of a classic. Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrat is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network 
and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. With us on our visitor segment today as we get ready for Friday's big matchup in the Orange Bowl is Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrat. Great to have you with us, Wayne. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's Orange Bowl week, as we all know, but for both Michigan and Florida State, still a lot of uh, recruiting headline news. Uh, The Seminoles landed another big five-star yesterday running back Cam Akers. Coach Fisher is putting together another blockbuster recruiting class, isn't he, Wayne? Absolutely. Um, they land, uh, you know, he landed Acres yesterday, and then uh, two days before uh, before Christmas, he landed a five-star defensive end, Joshua Kando. So um, they're putting together another top ten class, uh, probably going to end up top five. And uh, if it wasn't, uh, you know, going to be a smaller class, only about twenty to twenty twenty-two um, recruits, uh, it can compete for maybe not first. I think Ohio State or Alabama is going to have that lockdown, but top three would be uh, would certainly be in play. Well, absolutely. So both teams uh, recruiting very well and a lot of talent on the field, of course, uh, this week as we get ready for the Orange Bowl. Wayne, Florida State and Michigan have only played twice, uh, but both of those games were memorable and I was at them. So yes, I am old. Uh, in, <laughs> in 1986, uh, Michigan won a nail-biter 20-18. to 18. Jim Harbaugh was at quarterback. Uh, then in 91, the Seminoles came into the big house, did something not many of us had seen over the years, and that's put 51 points on the board against Michigan. But, you know, it's hard to believe it. it's been more than 25 years since these two-storied programs have played, isn't it? It really is amazing when you think about it that, you know, Florida State and Michigan have not played. I mean, they've been two of the best programs over the last, you know, 30 years, and just they've never matched up in a bowl game. You know, they never, you know, scheduled each other. So it's um, it's going to be fun to watch, you know. Um I always enjoyed uh, watching Michigan when I was younger. Um, you know, Hail to the Victors is one of my, my favorite fight songs. So um, I know that many Florida State fans uh, feel the same way, and they're looking forward to, um, you know, watching one of or two of the best programs in college football history go at it on Friday. Well, Florida State has been elite for a long time, thanks in large part to the program that Bobby Bowden built. And you hear it said, Wayne, that it's uh, better to follow the legend's successor than replace the legend. But it has worked out pretty darn well for Jimbo Fisher, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, um, th- there were points in time that people, you know, were were questioning whether it was it was going to work out or not. But then, uh, you know, Jameis Winston happened, and 2013 happened, and everything seemed to turn the corner there. You know, Florida State's been to five straight New Year's Six bowl games under uh, under Fisher, and um, you know, if if they beat Michigan on Friday, would have. Uh, five straight 10-win seasons. Well, a few weeks ago, there was a lot of chatter in the media about LSU going hard after Coach Fisher. Did that make the Seminole faithful a, a bit nervous? You know, it's Jimbo Fisher has been mentioned for every job opening since he got to Florida State. 
So I think most Florida State fans were just tired of it at this point because he'd been mentioned for the LSU job before, you know, Les was fired last year, and then it continued all offseason. And then when Les was finally fired, it came out, and um, he was their number one candidate. But, you know, I I don't think that he was ever – I think he answered the phone because he loves Baton Rouge, but I don't think he ever seriously considered – going to LSU and leaving Florida State and what he's built here. Well, he's got it going on down there, no question about it. So let's talk about this uh, seminal team, starting with the offense, Wayne. Michigan fans and those of us who cover the team have really precious little time during the season, uh, you know, to watch other teams play. So what we know about Florida State is what we read and see on ESPN in the way of clips. So let's get your take on uh, this team, some of the key players we'll see on Friday, starting with Dalvin Cook. How would you describe the kind of running back this kid is? First off, I was, you know, if, you know, you haven't watched every game this season, you've just watched clips of him mm-hmm. and listened to, you know, what the national media says about him, then you are seriously underestimating what Dalvin Cook is. Down here in Tallahassee, we are still amazed that he was, he, he finished tied for 10th for the Heisman. I mean, he, he was absolutely phenomenal this year um, playing against a, a very good slate of defenses, but he's a slashing type running back. Um, his jump cut uh, makes him one of the uh, hardest running backs in the country to tackle. He has breakaway speed. He's actually turned into an excellent receiver this year, which is something that we hadn't seen um, from him the first two years and something that he really worked hard on. He has 426 yards receiving this year. But he's also not afraid to uh, to jump in the pile and get those, you know, turn those three yard gains into four yard gains when he needs to. Um, he's just he's a complete back and bias here because I watch him, you know, watch him play and watch him practice. I, I I would say that he's the best running back in the country. He is absolutely um, impressive. He's been fun to watch. I'm gonna be sorry to see him go <laughs> after this game. You've got DeAndre Francois, quarterback, and he's been very good most of the time this year uh he does make a he will make a bonehead play every now and again um you know that that's what you expect from a redshirt freshman and he's also been known to hold the ball a little too long which has contributed to florida state's the 34 sacks that florida state has given up this year that's not all on him the offensive line was uh very very poor to start the season very poor um to start the season but they started picking it up um they, they had a couple injuries and uh you know, they started plugging and playing and actually found a, a group of five guys that uh, have allowed just uh, uh, four sacks, I believe, over the last four games. So it's uh, that's improved. But um, he has trouble throwing the short pass, you know, anything within mm-hmm. like two to three yards of the line of scrimmage. He has trouble with, but he has the arm strength and uh, the accuracy to throw pretty much any other pass on the field, um, no matter, you know, how far it is downfield. He, he's got the arm strength to do it. At a wide receiver, you've got, you know, Travis Rudolph and uh, Nyquan Murray, Kermit Whitfield. It's, you know, there's a, there's a mm-hmm. lot of talent at wide receiver, but there's not a lot of size unless you're counting Auden Tate. So um, Auden Tate's the, the guy that's going to need, going to bear watching for Michigan fans because he's six foot five, 230 pounds, and um, has the body control and athleticism to jump through the roof. So he's made a few spectacular catches this year. He's tied for the team lead in um, touchdown receptions, despite only having like 20 to 25 catches this year. Now, when you're talking about DeAndre Francois, two of the things you mentioned, they're holding onto the ball a, a bit too long and, and, and trouble with that short touch pass, pretty darn common for young quarterbacks as they're learning the ropes. But when you look at those numbers, 226 for 373, 18 touchdowns, 
and only six picks. And, and you know, coaches love that. I mean, he takes care of the ball. He does. He's done a, he's done a very good job. You know, in the spring game this past year, he threw two interceptions of fumble ball. So everybody was going, going crazy about how he's got to learn ball control and which he has. I mean, he's done it. He's done a very good job of it this year. Um, what the stats don't show because, you know, um, sacks are considered rushing yards and they're taken out and he had 34 of them this year is that he's actually a dangerous runner with the football. Um, when you take out sack yards, he has over 450 yards rushing this year, which makes him the second leading rusher on the team. Um, he also has four touchdowns. So he, uh, he can beat you with his arm and he can beat you with his legs. And, uh, as the season went on, coach Fisher started running him more and more as he got more confident in, uh, and his ability to, uh, you know, to hold on to the football and uh, make decisions. He's turned into a really dangerous player for Florida State. Are a lot of his running plays designed, or does, is it just the fact that he can get out of the pocket, take off when things break down? They do run designed. They run, they'll run behind Dalvin Cook, actually, as lead blocker um, out of the shotgun, and get that extra blocker out there so it uh, creates a numbers, uh, numbers advantage for the offense, kind of, kind of uh, similar to the way um, – you run pony with two uh, two running backs in the backfield, and you take a sweep to the outside with the other running back leading. Mm-hmm. That's the way Florida State does it, but it's with the quarterback running the ball and the one running back, Dalvin Cook, leading. So it creates a numbers advantage, and he has uh, he doesn't have great top end speed, but he has really good acceleration, so he can get through the hole and make people miss. It's um he's fun to watch when he starts uh, when he starts running the football, but he, he also you know, makes good decisions with the football. And Jimbo Fisher is a master at calling plays. So he knows when it's time to run and when it's time to, and when it's not time to run. Well, some of the Michigan players, Wayne, have said the uh, Florida State offensive line reminds them of Wisconsin when they were asked to compare uh, some of the teams they played this year to Florida State. They're, they're big, but uh, most of the Michigan players uh, that I've heard from say they're, they're more athletic. And I know they had some struggles early, but if you have a 1,600-yard rusher and you have a quarterback that's put up the numbers that you've seen, it means you're getting pretty solid play up front. So talk about that group and how they've improved during the season. Well, they have been far better at run blocking than they have at pass blocking for most of the season. They uh, they really get after it in the run game. They do a good job. Uh, they, they use a zone uh, zone running scheme which means that they'll take the uh, the defensive linemen or the linebackers and take them where they want to go, which opens up gaps for Dalvin Cook. And Cook's vision is uh, what allows him to be so successful because, you know, there'll be guys in the backfield, but that's by design. So he can just take cut, you know, cut through them and um, find his way to the opening because there's not as many guys on the line of scrimmage because, you know, they're all um, stacked at layers. And it's just his vision makes it, makes it a lot easier on the offensive line to do that. But, They've um they've gotten a lot better um especially in the uh in the pass blocking area um they've had a couple injuries that, I mean they should be mostly healthy coming into this game I mean they did uh, they lost the starting right guard about four games ago to an ACL injury the starting right guard from a season ago stepped right back in and has been playing well so the offensive line is the weakest link for the Florida State offense I don't think there's any question about that at all the key for for Florida State our offense will be protecting DeAndre and, you know, being able to get at least a small push up front against, you know, a very talented Michigan defensive line, which you obviously know. That is, of course, uh, the strength of this Michigan team. Let's talk about defense while we're at it then, Wayne. Michigan fans, of course, proud of our defense, what they've accomplished this year. It's a deep and talented front, and I'm certain Seminole fans feel the very same way about your D 
starting with that defensive front, they put up some crazy numbers this year, 47 sacks. And I've even read that people around the Florida State program think this might be one of the best Seminole fronts ever, and that is saying a lot. Yes, I mean, there are five, maybe six guys that are going to go play on Sundays um, in the two deep at Florida State right now. Um, A couple of them could be first-round picks. They're phenomenal, and you know everybody knows Demarcus Walker. Heading into bowl season, he's tied for the season leading in sacks with 15 this year. You know, along with Boston College's Harold Landry, who played the other night and got two more. So Walker's going to have some catching up to do on Friday if he wants to uh, maintain that lead. Over the last half of the season, as good as Walker was, and he was very good, I don't believe that he was the best defensive lineman that Florida State had. I believe that goes to uh, defensive tackle Derek Nottie, who is a monster run stopper and has turned in and has learned how to pass rush. He's uh, he's got five and a half sacks on the season. He just gets after it. He pushes the pocket. You, you can't run up the middle with him there. He's he's so strong. Arm tackles that would normally get broken don't. He he's the strongest man on uh on Florida State's team that's coming from pretty much everybody. Uh, he's, he's, he's fun to watch, but he doesn't get all the accolades because, he, you know, DeMarcus Walker's out here with 15 sacks, and, you know, you look at him, and he's just quietly stopping the run and getting after the quarterback when he can and just, you know, playing really, really good football. And then on the opposite side, you've got Josh Sweat, who's, you know, really come on as a runner, and then you've got freshman Brian Burns, who steps in right behind him, and he leads all freshmen in the country in sacks with nine and a half. So um, he's an elite pass rusher. You know, it's it's fun to watch this Florida State defensive line play. I mean, they're just they're so good and so versatile. They just they're constantly in the backfield. They're constantly making plays. Well, and if you have some time to uh, throw with the pressure you get from that defensive front, you're slinging it in the direction of uh, Tavares McFadden and Marquez White, and they are both elite backs in that secondary, aren't they, Wayne? Yes, they are. I mean, McFadden, you know, is, I believe uh, he led the nation in interceptions for most of the year. I believe he's tied for the lead now with eight. He's going to have to get another one in order to uh, to take that lead back. But, I mean, eight interceptions is uh, is tied for second place in Florida State history, along with, you know, uh, you mentioned the 91 game where Florida State put up 51, but uh, um, that was the same year that Terrell Buckley had 12 interceptions. As you know, he, uh, he had that uh, pick six mm-hmm. against Michigan in that game. I think that was uh, his first one of the season. Yeah, McFadden's very good. Uh, he had a rough start to the season, even getting his interceptions, because he, d- he did get a lot of interceptions, but he got beat a lot, too. There was a running joke that he was McFeast or McFamine uh, <laughs> to start the season. So, But he's, he's cut that down, and um, you know he's starting to play much better. He's starting to get back into his technique. He, he has a very short memory, so when he does get beat, he forgets about it, and the next play is on which is where a lot of um, his interceptions have come from. They targeted him, and he would get beat, and then they'd try to go target him again, and he'd get the interception. Do his best to, to make up for what, um, what he lost. But uh, Marquez White, is he's very long, he's very athletic, and he's completely unheralded. I mean, even with people who you know, watch Florida State play, like in the ACC, he was an honorable mention all-ACC, despite being one of the best cornerbacks, cover cornerbacks, in, in the league. I mean, he's just quiet. Nobody nobody throws at him, so he doesn't have a lot of numbers. I mean, they choose to go at McFadden, who had eight interceptions this year, rather than throw it at the uh, senior cornerback mm-hmm. on the other side. So the same thing. I mean, even you look at Jalen Ramsey, who's you know playing for the Jaguars right now and has been phenomenal. People threw at Ramsey rather than throw at Marquez White last year. You know, you, you watch the film on him, and he uh, he gets the job done. So 
if you're going to attack the Florida State defense, you attack it up the middle at the, at the linebacker position, at the safety position. Well, when you look at his defense, and again, I have not been able to see much of them this year, Wayne, but these numbers, 47 sacks, and of course you can just play bump uh, coverage all day with uh, the corners that Florida State has. Is this the kind of a defense that just brings three or four guys, or do they blitz a lot too? They do a little bit of both. They've done a really good job of, of mixing it up and bringing, but they can get pressure with four on pretty much every offensive line they uh, they face. So they're able to uh, they're able to drop it back. But they also um, they play a four two five system with the nickelback, and sometimes they'll bring a nickelback or a corner. They're uh, very versatile in what they're able to do with the athletes that they have on defense. I don't know how much they're going to be able to do that in uh, in the game against Michigan, just because there've been so many injuries to the safety position that they've had to shuffle some guys. I'm expecting a, uh, a true freshman to start at the uh, star position for Florida State and Kyle Myers after the injury to Armand Lane. Florida State has been absolutely decimated at the safety position this, this year. I mean, they've lost three for the season. The strong safety position at the strong safety position, they've lost three for the season. So they're uh, they're pulling the guy who uh, plays at the the star position, which is the the um, fifth uh, defensive back on the field, and he's going to play uh, strong safety. So uh, safety position is going to be an issue for Florida State in this game, especially with how good um, Jake Butt is. Um, if you can attack the uh, the center of the field against the, uh, against the Florida State defense, you, you can you can find some success there. Well, with us as we preview the Orange Bowl on our visitors segment today is Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrat. Wayne, on Friday night, of course, we're going to see two elite defenses. We've just been talking about that and two pretty darn good offenses going at it. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen uh, until these two teams get on the field and start the game. But it's, it's hard to believe this is not going to be a close game and a very entertaining game to watch. I agree. Um, Florida State's lost three games this season. When you look at the teams that beat them, you're looking at the Heisman Trophy winner, the Heisman Trophy runner-up, and North Carolina's Mitch Trubisky, who's going to be a first-round draft pick next season. Beating Florida State comes down to being super accurate with your quarterback, which Trubisky was. I believe he completed something like uh, 81% of his passes in the game or having a running quarterback that can make Florida State miss. If you don't have either of those, it's been very tough to move the football on Florida State's defense, uh, which is why I'm pre- I am I would predict a very, very close, low-scoring game because the two defenses are just going to be uh, be flying around to the football. I mean, Michigan's defense is easily the best uh, defense that Florida State will have faced this season. Um, it's very similar to what um, Boston College plays with as you know you know don brown came from there mm-hmm. the athletes for michigan are so much better than what uh boston college has it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch uh just how florida state deals with it because florida state's offense you know is, is very good um just going off of the the advanced stats it's uh it's the best offense that michigan will have faced while florida state's uh while michigan's defense is the best defense that florida state will face i'm expecting a close game a fun game and uh, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Well, last week I had Michigan great John Jansen on the show with me, and he he told me he thinks Friday's game could be a preview of two teams that could be in the playoffs next year. Uh, Michigan losing a ton of talent, so I'm not so sure about that. But do you think Florida State will be that kind of a team next year? They're very young, and they should get nothing but better. I mean, they're they're going to lose Alvin Cook and Demarcus Walker and Marquez White, but other you know, and maybe Rod Johnson on the offensive line. But other than that, everybody returns. The only problem with uh, that is next season, Florida State has to open with Alabama. They're going to have to be perfect following that game because, you know, I would not be putting money on Florida State to uh, 
to knock off Alabama to start the season. Alabama hasn't lost a, uh, a season opening game and they play, you know, a big name opponent every year for like the last seven years. So if Florida state is going to make it, make the playoff, they're going to have to uh, be perfect after the Alabama game. So I don't, I don't know that they get there next year. I think they have the talent to get there, but you know, Clemson is very good. Louisville has Lamar Jackson for another year. Florida state has to go to death Valley to play Clemson. So it's it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a struggle to get back to the playoff, but I think that uh, I think that they have the talent to do so. Whether they can depends a whole lot on luck, mm-hmm. I guess. Where is that Bama game to open the season? It's in Atlanta, so it's you know um, it's going to be not directly in between the two cities, but close enough to where it's it's not going to be you know Alabama you know just ruling the entire the entire stadium. It'll be a true neutral site game. Okay, Wayne, uh, a couple of fill-in-the-blank questions for you to uh, wrap it up today here in our preview. First one, Florida State will win this game if they... Protect the quarterback. Point blank, if they protect the quarterback and keep you know Michigan's fantastic defensive line off DeAndre and give him time to throw, uh, I believe that the athletes that Florida State have at the skill positions will make the difference there. I don't know that the offensive line can do it, but that that would that will be the difference in the game whether or not Michigan can get to uh, get to the quarterback. And uh, the second one is uh, Michigan can beat the Seminoles if they attack the middle of the field. Make uh, Florida State has had issues for I don't know 25 years trying to cover the tight end. Miami made a living off of it, getting the ball to the tight end and just letting him, letting him go. Attacking the middle of the field with especially um, Roderick Hoskins at linebacker. If he's lined up on Jake Butt at any point, they need to be uh, Michigan needs to go after him because that's that's one of the biggest mismatches on the field. So Michigan needs to attack the field uh, middle of the field on offense in order to win. Well, as we said at the top of the show, Wayne, it's been a long time since these two teams have played. The first two games were very entertaining, and I think it's safe to say with all of the talent we're going to see on the field this Friday, I would expect this year's Orange Bowl to be no different. At least on paper, this is a great matchup, isn't it? Oh, I, I completely agree. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, it's college football history going on the field. I mean, the two elite programs, it's Florida State Michigan. I mean, how could you not want to watch this game? You know, it's a, it's in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Both teams have had, had very good years, not years where, you know, they expected to be. I think both teams expected to be in the playoff this year. But still, it's a New Year's Six Bowl game, and there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of pride on the line. It's, it's just going to be a fun game to watch. There's so many great athletes that'll be on the field in this game. It'll be a, uh, it'll be mm-hmm. a field day for NFL scouts. No, absolutely. I think Michigan fans feel the same way. It's going to be a great opportunity. With us here on our preview show and our visitors segment this week as we get ready for Friday night's Florida State-Michigan matchup has been Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrat. Wayne, thanks so much for taking the time on what is a very busy week for you. Maybe our paths will cross again in the future. Until then, uh, take care and enjoy bowl week. You too, man. You too. Quick Hints is next as we wrap it up for another week and another season here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On Quick Hits today, no injury news to report. Jim said earlier this week a few players were dinged up, but he didn't offer much more than that. So this is it. At 8 p.m. tomorrow night, we tee it up for the last time in 2016. It's been an intense season. When it started, we thought we had a great defense, and we were right. We hoped Wilton would develop at quarterback, and he did, getting better each week. Yes, we were disappointed on that cold November night in Iowa when we just couldn't get one more first down to ice the game. And again, we were bitterly disappointed in Columbus when that fourth and one was upheld by the booth. So it is what it is. It's not the playoffs, but it is a big-time bowl game against a big-time team. It's also the last chance for our seniors to wear those wingtipped helmets and play with their teammates. So let's enjoy it. Next week, we'll be back to recap the Orange Bowl and talk about the past season. My scheduled guest is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from MLive, so please join us for that. Our free show app is available in the Google Play and iTunes stores, and we're now on iHeartRadio. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us to your favorites. Before we sign off today, I'd like to wish each and every one of you a very happy new year. We are wrapping up our seventh year of bringing you The Michigan Man, and we'll get rolling on year eight next week. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. As I say from time to time, doing this program is a labor of love, so we'll keep it going for as long as we can. So that's it for 2016. We have a lot to look forward to when the calendar rolls over. Basketball will get more of our time, as will hockey. Recruiting will be front and center. And as always, football never goes away. So enjoy the Orange Bowl and come back next week as we get the new year started here on the show. So until we meet again, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine New Year's weekend, everyone. Let's hope we ring in the new year with a great big Michigan victory over this very good Florida State team. So take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!